Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, welcome to the Multiply Network. My name is Paul Fraser. So glad that you tuned in today because I'm excited to introduce you to a new friend to the Multiply Network. His name is Mark Davis. He pastors at West Winds Community Church in Cloverdale. That's in Surrey, British Columbia. He's senior pastored over six years there, but has actually been on staff for over 20 years. So he knows the community really well and has a unique position in it. He's also a full-time professional firefighter who does chaplaincy as well. So full-time firefighter chaplain plus full-time pastor. Uh, He's a co-vocational leader, and we love that because we've been talking about that in the Multiply Network, that that's going to be a big part of our future. So as the chaplain, he took some resiliency training uh, to help with the chaplaincy in the fire department. So we talk about what resiliency is, why we need it, how to build it, and he gives lots of practical advice and steps. You're going to love this interview because he comes from a different perspective than maybe we would in ministry world, but he brings them together and it's wonderful advice for all of us. Stick around because it's coming up right now. Thanks, Mark, for jumping on the Multiply Network podcast for this month. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's so great. And heard you at our international office chapel that we have every Tuesday. We bring in guests, and uh, sometimes we have people in our office do the devotions. But uh, great chat, great talk on resiliency. We're going to get there in just a little bit. But why don't you first tell us a little bit about yourself and some of your story, uh, where you're working, what you're doing, and just for those who may not know, just catch us up. Yeah. So, well, again, thanks for having me. And I really enjoyed being at the chapel uh, last week. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, uh, my my big concern is for leaders and their health and, and uh, mental health, uh, for sure, as well. It's all connected, physical, mental, spiritual. And uh, so I really enjoyed doing that. It was something that uh, I, I talked with Dave for years about, always uh, deal with it. But part of my background, um, well, I mean, I've, I grew up uh, in the church at uh, Abbotsford Pentecostal as far as, you know, teenage life. Uh, back in the day when we had Crusaders just before teenage youth group. I remember I a, Crusaders. Yes, yeah. I was a, I was a Crusader. Crusader. That's right. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that anymore, but <laughs> no, you totally but, uh, can't. No, it, it did change my life. And uh, uh, prior to that, though, I was growing up uh, in a little town in, in Langley called Aldergrove. And uh, there was a local community church that was just down the street. Actually, it was more of a neighborhood, more of on our street. Not a lot of people went to it, but uh, really cool uh, VBS they had there. And I and uh, my mom was a pastor's kid. So, you know, we always had kind of a connection to church, but not, it was always loose. And then, uh, I, you know, the bus ministry picked me up, took me to took me to uh, the Baptist church and I got saved and uh, all that good stuff. And, and I always had a concept of God and and uh, then as I got into my teenage years, I started going to Abbey Pentecostal and, uh, you know, uh, they, the youth group there was really good for me. And um, I got a call to the ministry, uh, but I've always been a practical kind of person. And uh, uh, not to say that Pentecostals aren't practical because they are, but I, I, um, 
I want to do something. And, and, and uh, so for me, physically, I need to jump in and, and hands on. I'll pray. But then I'm like, I feel like God's saying, get in there and do it now. Right. So. Yeah. So uh, and I love people who pray and, and, and that's a gifting that they have in, the, in their you know intercessory prayer. That's very important. So never think that that's a, 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 a negative on people yeah. who are praying. But uh, for me, I need to see it. I want to be a part of it. And right. so um, as I, you know, uh, was involved in, in uh, youth ministry as a teenager and then went to Bible college, went to good old WPVC back in the day. I'm dating wow. myself here. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, met my wife, not at Bible college, but because I was interning in a youth group in this church, actually in Cloverdale uh, at West Winds. It was called Cloverdale Pentecostal back then. Yeah. Met her. Uh, long story short, married, got into ministry. Uh, and then as I was in ministry, I'm like, you know, I, I love serving the church, but what are we doing in our community? Yeah. And uh, as time went on, I said to my wife, I got to get involved in the community and I have no idea how. Back then, there weren't a lot of uh, people given resources of how to do that. So uh, I opened up the newspaper. That was this thing made out of actual paper that you would hold and read. Oh, yeah. yeah. It wasn't yeah. It was, it's something you didn't scroll. Like even sometimes when I get a paper magazine, I'll, I'll rub my finger on the paper to see if it'll move up. <laughs> yeah, right. So I actually had to touch it. And, so, <laughs> and you got the ink on your hand. Yeah, and yeah. Like, and anyway. it smells funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it said on there. Literally, I've been having these conversations with my wife for the past week, and, and it says, do you want to be involved in your community? Become a volunteer fireman. And I went, yeah, let's do that. And so my wife was like, are you crazy? Firemen do dangerous things. You're not doing that. And I'm like, well, I've been looking for a thing, and this says get involved in your community, so I think we should go for it. And and she's like, well, she's like, he'll, he'll look into it. He won't do it, and whatever. And then I went in, and turns out one of the chiefs was a pastor or sorry, was a, was a member of the church I was in Crusaders with. He was the head crusader and he knew me, but didn't tell me. So anyways, long story short, he brought me in as a volunteer. And then, uh, as we move forward, they, they, they trained you in to become a, a career firefighter, but they didn't give you a job. They just gave you the seals, like a red seal, but it's for firefighting. NFPA standards, national fire protection and all that kind of stuff. So he helped me get that. And I just thought it was to learn the the trade. And then um, I came out to Langley because I was working at Cloverdale, so I moved. And uh, and they wanted a chaplain, but they said, so we want a chaplain, but uh, we want you to become a, a career suppression firefighter. You have all the education uh, and then you can be our chaplain. So I went, oh, Okay, sure. So, I'm, but I got to go through the process and I have to, it's a competition and I got to beat people out. So I got in shape and did all that stuff. And long story, that's, that's a long time ago. And here I am, um, still a full-time firefighter, a full-time pastor at the church. I've been at this church for over 20 years and, and uh, it's been great. My wife uh, supports me and I support her and yeah, the kids are grown, they're adults. So we pretty much do whatever we want. It's pretty awesome. So <laughs> Man, so that's so great. And just really embodying that co-vocational pastor model. Uh, as we talked offline just before this, we think I think that's a big part of our future, certainly when it comes to church planting. So sure. you pastor a church, you're so professional firefighter, you're pastoring a church. So obviously you're uh in the community, you know what's going on. Um, and so you're aware of the conversations, 
the mm-hmm. needs. Um, how are you leading your church in that? Yeah. So, so obviously you're modeling it, but other than that, like, do the do you, are you are you encouraging them? Are you starting getting them on things? Like how how have you brought that community mindedness to the church? Because it's a it's a fairly uh, like old church in a sense that's been around for a while. Right. Yeah, it has. And uh, you know, when I when I first took over lead um, about five and a half six years ago, whatever that is. Um, my my big deal was we we're gonna we're gonna be the church in our community, and that doesn't mean we plant a building here. It means we yeah. actually get involved. And so um, prior to that, we you know we were loose, and a lot most of the community didn't know who we are, and other churches didn't really know who we are. And that's not a judgment on my previous predecessor because he was a great man, but but it, it, that just wasn't our thing. Um, and so my my personality is that way. I want to be involved. I want to get in there. I want to get messy and dirty and do all the work. So um, our, lo- our our slogan, for lack of a better word, became go and be the church. And that meant get involved in the community. So um, because being a, a fireman, I get to go. People don't phone a fireman and say, hey, can you just come over for coffee and we'll have a chat? They call 911. We go there and it's a horrible event usually. Uh, yeah. It's never... You know, sometimes it, it can be very minimal, but a lot of the times they're calling 911 because they're in a rough situation. Like, do you ever pull a cat out of a tree? Because that seems to be like a, such a stereotypical firefighter. It is stereotypical. It is. It is. And you would think that it's just on TV or the cartoons, but I've done it twice. <laughs> no way. Okay. Yeah. Actually, our chief said, we don't risk million dollar apparatus for 99 cent cats. <laughs> but... But I have to say, in both situations, the owner or the owner's daughter yeah. climbed up the tree to get the cat and couldn't come down. So oh, we had yeah. to get yeah. her. And then while we're up there, we got the cat. So Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but I just thought I'd jump in there with the with the stereotypical yes. firefighter. But you're leading the community. Yes. You're leading your church into the community. Yeah. So in Cloverdale here, um, there's a lot of need. Um, there's some low income areas. There's a lot of uh, homeless and there's people who, who need food. And so what we do here is um, we're involved in our com- in a community kitchen, which is run by another church, but it's a separate entity. And, and uh, we get involved with them a lot. Uh, the other thing we do is so um, my wife and I, when, when our kids were in kindergarten, when my, my son was in kindergarten, actually, um, there was a young boy who, um, you know, his mom was a single mom. She was having a tough go of everything and uh, never had a lunch, couldn't do hot lunch day, you know, hot dog day and all that kind of stuff. And so we would always secretly buy him this, uh, these lunches. And if we found out he needed shoes or, or a jacket, we would do that. So we would get him lunch or we'd get him whatever. Um, one day we were at general conference in uh, Ottawa and one of the special speakers came in and talked about this lunch program they did in uh, New York. And I can't remember his name, but it impacted both of us, but we didn't tell each other and we're walking on the way back to the hotel. And my wife goes, we need to start a lunch program. And I'm like, Oh, we do. Right. Yeah. So we did it. Yeah. And now after, so we build relationships with the, um, with the schools and now we do over 200 lunches a week out of our church here and so supply these young kids in an elementary schools, uh, lunches. And so it's grown from, we had, I think we did 20 a week to 200 now over 200. And we do, we do Christmases. We do their grade five graduation. Cause when my kids were uh, graduating from elementary to junior high, and yeah. I, you know, I don't know how it works everywhere, but, um, uh, 
we so we pay for their graduation yeah. uh, for that little party and set it all up and we haven't done it in a while because of covid but yeah. um yeah we'll get back on track with that but we'll do hampers for christmas and we just we just try to get involved and, and honestly the people jumped on it um yeah they, they've been, everybody wants to be out there doing something but they yeah. don't want to necessarily lead it so it's up to us as leaders to provide something for them to do. And so my wife runs the, um, the whole lunch thing. Um, and she also has her own full-time job, but she, she runs the lunch program and every single worker who comes to, to, uh, make those lunches has a job and they don't want to think they just want to do their job and they want, and they know what they're doing. They know why we had a few people say, well, you know, these kids should be happy with whatever we give them. And our motto is, uh-uh, if you wouldn't give this to your kid, we don't serve it. Exactly. So we make sure that it's top quality food. We make sure it's done well. Uh, it's a, and my, and my wife calls it a mom lunch. Yeah. Uh, one, one your mom would give you, right? They, yeah. they, your mom wouldn't just throw a bunch of junk in a thing and send it off. So it's all healthy, nutritional. So Love it. Yeah, and for the kids, because a kid can't learn. If a kid's not eating no, and doesn't true. have proper nutrition, then where's the future, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I love that. Um, man, that's so good. And, you know, when you talked about sometimes they don't, like people don't know where to start, they need to be led. It's the idea of being a travel agent leader or a yep. tour guide leader. Travel mm-hmm. agent just says, go do this, go do this, go do this. But a tour guide actually takes them on the mission, takes them on the yeah. tour. And I actually think that's a great way to do it. Want to transition a little bit to chaplaincy and yes, and uh, some of the training you've been taking or have taken is on resiliency. And so for the so for the remaining time we have, we want to kind of dig into a little bit of that. Uh, why don't you? Uh, well, first of all, what led you to resiliency training? So. Um... I mean, all the fire department stuff that we do, um, like we see some pretty horrific stuff. So, um, uh, body parts, uh, like real nasty stuff. And, 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 uh, and I always have to be careful not to give too much information because, uh, vicarious, um, uh, trauma can happen that way when I talk about stuff, but I've seen it all from babies to old people in yeah. all sorts of situations. Um, and so that we needed something for, for the firemen because guys were either committing suicide uh, and there's been a lot locally in our communities here, um, police, ambulance, all, all of them. Uh, but I mostly focus on fire um, or, or just going off on leave where they can't turn their brain off and they, and they just see these events all the time. And so uh, they, they call it critical incident stress management. And so I joined the critical incident stress management. I became the head of it for our fire department uh, because I was the chaplain. I can, I can kind of weave in and out of all sorts of different areas and have a little bit more freedom. And so I got all this training from the International um, uh, Critical Incident Stress uh, Association. So I got certified with them in a bunch of different things. And then uh, the uh, Federation of Fire Chaplains is a bigger organization. And then I'm part of the BC Fire Chaplain. So all that is all part for mental, spiritual health. But a lot of guys didn't know how to deal with it. And there used to be this mindset in the old fire ways and even in policing too, ambulance. It's kind of like, well, that's just the way it is. You suck it up and you move on. You don't talk about it. And, you know, only weak-minded people will talk about it. Uh, that, that was the same view of counseling, right? So it just kind of came over into this. And so we created a peer critical incident stress management team. And then from there, when a bad event happens, one of the representatives would go 
and talk to the to the uh, the individuals that were involved in that particular horrific trauma yeah. accident. Yeah. So I was sitting here one day, and when you when you look around, you uh, you start to see pastors burning out. We, we we've heard about burnout since the '90s. I've heard about it since yeah. the '90s. Yeah. Pastors were burning out. What happened to him? Oh, he burnt out. Or, oh, he got into pornography, he burnt out, all this kind of stuff. And and they start using things to cope with their stress. And and then I started comparing firefighters to pastors. And I went, wow, these are very similar um, situations. So so you can, as a minister, you know, you can do a baby dedication and a sermon, and then you do a funeral, and then you get a call Monday morning that somebody died, and you know, on and on and on and on. And if you are a person who wears your emotions on your sleeve and is 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 a is a sensitive person to that type of thing, you'll wear that and it'll go with you. Yeah. Um, and and I by then I had already seen some pretty horrific things and knew how to deal with them as a firefighter. But I'm like, what about pastors? Yeah. How could they? And when I say pastors, I mean church planners. I mean anyone who's doing ministry, just leaders, right? anyone who works yeah. with people. Yes, and 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 this can be stretched over any any position, volunteer, career, what it doesn't matter. Um, but I always say pastor because it's 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 in my head. But um, yeah, so so as I was thinking about the comparison of them both, I, I, I realized because we used to talk in my staff meetings prior to me becoming lead pastor. My senior pastor would say. Man, all the all the people I went to Bible college with are out of ministry. They either burnt out or they immoral failure, and and we would just sit there and go, oh, that's that's horrible. What can you do, right? And then we'd move on with the ministry. Um, and then I started realizing, putting two and two together, and going, wait a minute, I don't know if we're doing anything about this. And it, now we have EAP programs, like uh, employee assistant programs within the the payoc, right? So we have you can call a counselor, you get so many yep. visits and all that kind of stuff. But yep. but we still don't really use them for these things, right? For stress, we don't use them for stress. And I think it's getting better. Yeah, but is. at the time it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you raise up so many great points there about that in you're right counseling is becoming more um acceptable encouraged i certainly would encourage i've gone to counseling it's been a game changer for me just to be able to process these things and but one of the things you mentioned uh is the actual resiliency so you talked about what led you to that what is resiliency and why do leaders need it? And maybe more so in this pandemic. Okay. So, so resiliency is, is really the ability or the willingness. So, so there's a, there's a, sometimes we don't want to, because we like to sit in our, in our, you know, it's whatever. true. It's yeah, true. We, yeah. In our like messes. To, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we feel more comfortable there because we either we have low self-esteem, we don't feel good enough to get out. But but it's the ability or the willingness to adapt, right? To like hold things loosely. And as pastors, we, we think we need to hold things tightly. Like uh, we, we always feel like we have to um, we, we have to hold everything to our chest. And you know, we're either hiding things from the board or hiding things from the people or whatever. We put on all these put up all these walls because we're the leader and we're super strong. Well. Yeah, you don't want a leader that's like wimping out all over the place. But at the same time, you want a, <clears throat> you want a transparent leader. We used to call it, I, I know David Wells used to use, uh, um, oh, he used to use a really good saying. I can't remember what it is right now, but <clears throat> about leaders. And, and yeah. uh, it, it, it was, 
we, we felt that we had to be something or not. And, and Dave was always saying, no, like be you. And yeah. throughout my ministry, I always fought that because I didn't think that I came from a very poor upbringing, single parent. Uh, my mom was, uh, and I didn't never felt worthy enough. So I was always trying to prove something. And, and so I had to put up this wall all the time. And it's, you know, it's taking me into my forties here to actually drop that wall down and go, I'm just gonna be me. God called me and he'll work on me. Right. Like yeah. he'll work with me, but the resiliency to, to hang, uh, or to hold on to things loosely is really important. And, and, and that's not a flippant, I don't care, but it can look like it. Right. So um, you have to be able to let go. And, 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 and that's whether it's your stuff, whether it's other people's stuff, you have to be willing to let go. Right. So we don't, don't want to hold on to these things, other people's problems, because then we carry our problems and their baggage. And how much baggage can you carry? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been doing squats lately, but you know, my legs aren't that strong. I can't carry everybody's stuff, right? I got skinny legs. I was born with them. They're chicken legs. I can't do it. So I have to figure out a way to get through all of this. Um, and so I look at it as we need to gain control over our mind. Um, and how do we do that? Well, I mean, there's all sorts of ways we can, we can practice the Sabbath. What does that look like to you? Um, like everybody has different, uh, I said at chapel, everybody has different things that they really, that make them relax, find out what that is you know, <clears throat> and do that because if you can't turn it off, you're going to have trouble. So whether, you know, I send out scriptures through the pandemic, I've been sending out scriptures every morning, just one scripture to the whole church. And I take themes throughout that month. So they get 30 scriptures every month on this one is, um, about our ability to do something like it's up to us to actually step out and do something. So those kind of things. And people are saying, Oh, I really needed that today. And it's not me. That's scripture. I didn't, you know, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, you didn't write people. it. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's a Holy spirit. Right. So, yeah. and I think too, that, that we find that, that our generations, our younger generations have, and in some, some part of Gen X too, um, have lost the ability to differentiate between anxiety and adversity because mm. Adversity is a good thing, right? We we learn from adversity. If we don't go through some difficult times, yeah. Well, you know what? How will we grow, right? I mean, there's so many illustrations on you know yeah. stress on something makes it stronger, and you know we can look up all those. All the leadership gurus are spewing that stuff everywhere. But yeah, the fact is, we stretch, we grow, we get stronger at adversity. But anxiety is where we haven't let go or we don't want to let go or we can't let go. Right. Um, and we've got to figure out a way to do that. And, and with church, I, I would say with church planters, I mean, they, they, they're going to have more stress. I guarantee you it, it's different stress than me because they're planting from nothing. Right. 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 They don't have the same stress as I have because I've got something that has culture and history and I don't get to change it unless I slowly, we talk about icebergs, you know, yeah. off, off, uh, off recording yeah. and it's slow, yeah. right? But you got to be willing to make those changes. So how do you get through that? And how do you have the strength uh, to make it through and be resilient through all the different ups and downs? And so yeah. that's what got me into resiliency to, to decide the difference between a, a pastor and a fireman or an EMS worker. Yeah. There is no difference. Yeah. There really isn't. It's all the same. Stress is stress, right? Stress is stress. It's a great summary. I know this is like a 10-hour teaching oh, that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I know it's like a long teaching that you walk through leaders with, but wonderful summary. Just a couple 
thoughts jumped out to me is that letting go piece of things. Mm-hmm. Anxiety and adversity are different things. Though well said. Um, so you talked about Sabbath as one thing that mm-hmm. that leaders can do. You're talking to church planters, uh, leaders, multipliers. What can they do to build res- to build resiliency, or can you build resiliency? Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, well, like we talked about with adversity, you have to go through stuff, right? So each time you go through something. You, you, you need to you need to kind of preload you need to prepare so in the fire department what, what do we do we we drill right so if I bring you in as a firefighter your first day I'm gonna be like okay the very first thing you're gonna do is I'm gonna show you the gear that you're gonna wear that's gonna save your life life in a flashover or a fire environment and I'm gonna say you're gonna know the inside and outside of that thing you're gonna know every stitch and you're gonna be able to put it on in 30 seconds. I want you to put that on and you're going to practice all day, right? There's no fire, but you're practicing, right? And then, and then you're going to put on your air pack because that's the most important thing. That's your lifeline is your air pack. And so you're going to do that in under a minute and we're going to drill and drill and drill. And we do everything by drilling in the church. When have we ever practiced for a pandemic? Sword drills. (laughs) Yes. Right. Because it's crusaders and Gen X. Is the best generation ever? No, I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in, <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but, but no, how, not very often. No, true, no, not very often. We don't plan for anything. Like we don't plan for 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 crisis intervention. We don't plan for it because because we just take it as it comes. And and pastors do not plan, and 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 church planters and leaders do not always plan for things to go sideways. Who would have thought? that every country in the world would shut the border down because of a tiny thing you can't even see. Nobody would have thought that. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you have to practice. So what does that look like to you? Well, I mean, and and people are going to want something practical, right? So, well, first of all, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like a given, but your devotional life, once your devotional life is off kilter, anything that comes into your life is going to throw you for a loop and you're going to get frustrated. We like to go to scripture when we're in trouble. And I say, that's too late. Now, it's not yeah. too late for God. Yeah, but I, know. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. yeah. Why aren't you doing it every day? And again, I struggle because I get busy. I'm a busy guy. right? Yeah. But but I have to take the time to at least take in some scripture and think on it and quiet my mind. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't think about what I'm doing. I yeah. don't think about what I have to do. I open up my phone and I look at my I look at my Bible app and I go through my scriptures. I don't do it for a sermon. I don't do it for a sermon series. I don't do it for my next, you know, Bible class. I don't do it for any of that. I do it just for me because it's too easy to get into this uh, habit of looking at everything for a sermon. Do you feel like any spiritual discipline really will do that? Like build resiliency? Oh, of course. I mean, that's why they're there. Yeah. Right. That, that's why it's an example. But but we we're busy. So we forget. Right. Like. Yep. You pick up your phone, how many how many Instagram, Facebook, and sure. all that nonsense do you get, right? And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, what are they doing today? And then you get sidetracked. So distraction. Get rid of the distractions in your life and and, and get onto your devotions. Um, I would say for people who want um, – find out uh, strategies and tactics on how to take your – your mind off emotional thinking mm. and start thinking, try to be logical. Now, every, every decision we make is emotional. Totally. We all know that. Yeah, totally. But, but get control of your emotions. And, and again, we don't have enough time to get, get into how to do that. But, but you know, I, I like to write lists 
uh, uh, pros and cons. This is a very simple way to do it. Pros and cons of what I'm going to make this decision. Uh, and then I look at the outward um, pressures that are making me make this decision. Do I need to do this right now? Okay, I'll write it out. But do I need to make the decision now? Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Most of the time I don't. So we wait. But emotionally, you might feel like you need to. Of course, because I want it done. I'm yeah. a doer. I need it done now. And actually, I needed it done yesterday. So yeah. why did someone help me get it done yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, part yeah. of my part of my counseling journey in it was one of my, I don't know, one of the first sessions or first couple. When my counselor said to me that emotions are just information, they're pointing mm-hmm. to something. Yeah. They, they're, they're, they're not the, they're in um, a symptom of something else. They're, they're a response to something else. And so if you're just dealing with the emotion, so for example, if you're just angry, well, I just get rid of anger and not actually look logically at the thing that's driving your anger. Yeah. You're just going to continually focus on the symptoms. You're going to manage the behavior without actually addressing the real need. And that's oh, why, sure. that's why emotions are wonderful. They're not to be ignored. Because they're going to help you point to things that are maybe off or not where they need to be. And obviously, this pandemic has brought a ton of emotion. Um, Rick Warren said uh, in a podcast with Carrie Newhoff, and I'd encourage everyone to listen to it. It was fantastic. Rick Warren said there's a tsunami of grief coming post-pandemic, and churches that aren't prepared for it are going to miss out on an incredible opportunity. Oh, for sure. Um. Any thoughts about this tsunami of grief and how the church can respond, maybe from your perspective? Yeah, so from from my perspective, if we're not healthy first, we're going to struggle. That's Um, true. Yeah, we're going to burn out. We're going to fry ourselves right out. And um, we, we need to get our ducks in a row now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, you know, uh, it's never too late, but in my mind, it's like, we should have been thinking about this a long time ago. And, and as leaders, we need to, you know, um, some people aren't going to be ready to move too quickly when they come back. And you know what they're also going to do? They're going to come with a whole bunch of problems they had before the pandemic when we were meeting together and problems when they were online. And they're going to come with all those and they're going to remember them. They're going to remember them. And, and, and whatever those complaints or problems or issues, who they take it out on the biggest target they can find. And that's the church usually. Right. And then now in BC right now, and probably all across Canada, we're going to have even more pressure because of what has just happened in our indigenous communities. Uh, I mean, it didn't just happen. It was just found out. Yeah, just found and out. People, people don't know the difference between the Catholic church and our church. Like they don't know. So they just blanket blame everything. And so those issues are going to be coming in and we've got black lives matters and we got stop Asian hate. And we got all these things that have been building up for 14 months and there's been no release. And now when people start getting out in public, you know, so how, how are we going to deal with all this? So, you know, my suggestion is, is that we, we prepare ourselves. Um, we get the resources in line because I'm not a professional counselor. So there's going to be times that, I, that it's out of my, out of my scope. Yeah. Um, so yep. we need to have a list of people we can refer people to for professional assistance. Um, and, and most churches probably have that, but if they don't, if they're a church plant, maybe they don't have that yet. So that's something they should be thinking about knowing their limits um, and also being able to say in some cases that they can't help, like pick, pick some really, I don't know, three import three to five things you can do really well as a church to address everything coming out of the pandemic or, or whatever. Like we, we do the lunch program, the community kitchen, right. And we focus on, um, 
on a, a, a university Christian min, uh, mission. Uh, what are they calling that? Campus ministries? Yeah, campus ministry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm dating myself again. You guys keep changing names. Stop doing that. <laughs> you know, I can relate because I'm a Gen Xer too, but... There you go. Yeah. You know, just you 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 ripped off about four important things that I just want to, you know, make sure everyone heard that, you know, how do you prepare for the tsunami of grief? Get healthy, know your limits, get lists of people that you can bring on to help you, professional counselors, you know, doctors... Uh, all of oh, that. Yeah. And then I I was just thinking the, the last thing you said is so important. You're not going to be able to solve every issue. No. So, no. so, so, Hey, recognize them. You know, all those things that you listed are just things that have been building for a long time. Church needs to speak out on those things. I, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, but you're not going to be able to address everything. So what are the you know, go to God and find out what are the three or four things that that you can address this, you know, this summer and fall that's going to, you know, help with that tsunami of grief. Really great uh, wisdom, Mark, there. Um, just as we're wrapping up, could you speak some encouragement to leaders uh, before we go? You know, just maybe what's on your heart and, huh. and uh, yeah, just encourage uh, encourage other leaders out there that, that are, are maybe needing it today? Well, you know, first of all, you know, you've been put in a position to lead where you are and God placed you there. God is the one who promotes, right? And you've been put in a place of leadership, no matter what it is, no matter what it looks like. And that's important to recognize. We don't, we don't uh, listen to, you know, unless they're trusted advisors, but we don't listen to the nonsense out there. God has told us what we need to do and we're and, and you're doing it. The reason why you're either listening to this podcast or you're in leadership is you're doing what God has asked you to do. I would say, so that's the first thing. The second thing is do not be so hard on yourself. Good grief. Yes. No. Good. Thank you for Don't saying that. Thank you yeah. for saying that. Well, it's so easy to beat yourself up. I'm my worst critic. And you know, when somebody, you know, as a pastor here, if somebody comes up and, and they, they don't have a very nice word for me, um, I've I've actually learned over the years, I, people are very creative with their insults. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that was impressive. You took time to craft this insult. And I appreciate the time you took to hurl this at me. So good on you, right? And I, I don't take it anymore, but I used to take it personally. Like, oh, I'm no good. I can't speak. Well, I can't do this. I can't do anything. right. And then, you know, you think of Moses. Well, he had trouble, right? So everybody has trouble. Everybody so does. if you're a leader, you're going to have trouble. And, and my old pastor, Ted Buddha, used to say, if somebody's not mad at you, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so, so it's like, well, I don't know. Okay, I'll take it, right? So, <laughs> and, and, and honestly, um, have fun with ministry because, um, you know, even in my worst fire scenes um, that are horrific, I, I, I enjoyed because I was the one who was there that could maybe, maybe piece this thing together for somebody and help them. You know, Jesus had a rough go in his ministry. Every single apostle and prophet, they all struggled. They all, Jeremiah's the weeping prophet. Like that wouldn't have been fun. I don't want to cry all the time because of the people are being ridiculous. Right. But, but he did. And, and he was where God placed him and his ministry wasn't that great. Right. <laughs> it did, it did, he did what he was told to do. 
Yep. But it didn't it didn't work. So, um, you know, to a point, but he did what he was told to do. And, and, and that's where we need to be. We need to realize that um, we are we are called. We're supposed to be here and we can't be so hard on ourselves. And then have realistic. This is my last point. I promise that have realistic optimism in almost every situation. So a good way to control your mind and to have resiliency of your mind is to have this realistic optimism because I was raised, uh, and my mom's passed now, but I was raised to be negative. I was raised to think everybody's against me. Um, I didn't do it right or quit. Don't do it anymore because it was hard, all that kind of stuff. And I, I decided to go a different way. And honestly, we can look at every situation, no matter what happens, we can be flexible. We can look around our, our area and be like, is there another way to look at this, right? Is, is there a different, instead of me thinking it's, it's a, you know, a negative look on me or the situation is all about me or whatever, we have to have some realistic optimism in the fact that, and be flexible with the possibility that it's not just us or we didn't do anything to cause yeah. this. Yeah. Yes, we have to look at it. Is it accurate? Is that, is it true? Is this situation actually true? And we need to look, is there an, is there more information that I don't have to consider? So when you look at people's reaction to you and that's impacting you, now this is when it comes to reaction of other people, but it can be put in any situation. Is there something else? Most of the time, if somebody's upset with you or whatever, it's the, it's the 20%, right? That you know, and there's 80%. It's like an iceberg, right? Yeah. There's so much underneath, you don't know the full situation. So that can be either professionally, that can be uh, in your personal life when, when, when you're having struggles. So we sit there and we're in our head so much, we sometimes can't get out of it. And you, you were yeah. saying earlier, you've been, you know, everybody's been locked up, right? So when you get out there, everyone's going to be super hypersensitive, including the leaders. Yeah. So let's be realistic and be optimistic that everyone's not out to get us and that these things aren't all that bad. And, 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 you know, all this stuff is not, you know, we can chip away at it. I've always said, if you want to eat an elephant, you got to take it one bite at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have hope. If there's mm. one thing the church has is hope. And even in every situation in some of the most difficult, dire situations, we have this great hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks for that reminder uh, I do think, you know, certainly being, uh, you know, less critical of yourself is going to help you be, <laughs> help you be more resilient. Uh, and there's no doubt about it. So, so much good here, Mark. Thanks for taking time with us. Thanks, thanks also. Thanks also for being a first responder. Oh, I appreciate that. No yeah, problem. we 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 appreciate you, and we appreciate the fact that you are the ones that that run to a crisis and uh, don't run away from it. When, when I know that there's times that I would want to run from it, you guys run to it and grateful for fire, ambulance, uh, uh, police. Who am I missing else? That's a first responder. Uh, search and rescue. You yeah. Search it. and rescue. Nurses, doctors. Yeah. Everybody. Honestly, it, uh, it, 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 all EMS workers are wired just a little bit weirdly. So, Yeah. And, and and for that, I'm thankful. So thanks for serving there. Thanks for serving in the church. Thanks for being Jesus in difficult situations. And thanks for taking time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. God bless you. 